From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon. Welcome to Washington. Watch your source for news and analysis on policy, politics, and the culture from a biblical perspective. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, and Washington Watch starts now. This afternoon, Congress headed home for two weeks, despite the chairman of the House Intel Committee, Mike Turner, setting off alarm bells yesterday over a national security threat. While I am limited by how much I can share about the specific nature of the threat, I can confirm that it is related to an anti-satellite capability that Russia is developing. That was White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby earlier this afternoon. So how real is the threat if Congress is uh, heading out of town for two weeks? They also leave with the southern border still wide open and government funding set to expire the first week in March. We're going to talk about it with uh, Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick a little bit later. And more questions than answers out of Houston regarding the shooter at Lakewood Church who had both a criminal record and a history of mental illness. It's just sad to, to listen to her neighbors talk about the concern over her behavior that just we as a society and in certain agencies just didn't respond. And <clears throat> red flag laws certainly are one possible uh, addition to our toolkit. That was Houston Mayor John Whitmire. Now, Here's more of what the neighbors said, which the media and the police have also dismissed. And at first it was, oh, it's because I'm transgender, then it was because we're Mexican, and then it was because we were black. And every time, just depending on what her narrative was for that day, she changed the reason you were picking on her. That was a neighbor of Moreno, uh, identified as Jill. Congressman Mike... Ezel of Mississippi, former sheriff of Jackson County, will join us in just a moment. Additionally, we'll explore the question of whether children are being exploited by transgender activists as they attempt to advance their calls. FRC's Dr. Jennifer Balance will join me for that conversation. Lastly, I'll weigh in on the timing of yesterday's warning of a national security threat, which just happened to coincide with key legislative considerations such as the reauthorization of Section 702 of FISA, which allows warrantless surveillance, and the funding for the war effort in Ukraine. Coincidence? I don't know. We're going to talk about it. Former Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss will join me in the studio. From the halls of power to the front lines of cultural battles, Washington Watch is your platform for informed discussion and meaningful dialogue, all from a biblical perspective, so that you can stand up, speak up, and stay engaged. So let's navigate these pressing issues together. Well, as questions remain regarding the Lakewood church attack on Sunday, authorities in Houston have literally gone silent. The intersectional qualities of the shooter, a non-U.S. citizen with a history of identifying as transgender and a trail of anti-Semitic rhetoric, mark this as the kind of story I think the left would rather go away. So far, comments to the media from the shooter's neighbors and former mother-in-law have shed more light on what we've than what we've received from local police and the media. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Mike Ezel. He serves on the House Homeland Security Committee and the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. He represents the 4th Congressional District 
of Mississippi. He has more than 40 years of law enforcement experience. As I mentioned earlier, he served as sheriff of Jackson County, Mississippi, before being elected to Congress. Congressman Ezell, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Thank you for having me, Tony. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, I, I, I want to uh, to start with this question. From your time in law enforcement, what do you make of the lack of information coming from Houston authorities? Well, it's like some of the things that we've seen in the national media. You know, they, they want to control the narrative. They want to tell you what they want you to hear. They don't want to tell you the truth. And, you know, by all, you know, reality, it sounds like, uh, this person had some very serious issues. Of course, we know that if you bring your child uh, somewhere with the intentions of doing harm to other people and then expect to survive that with, uh, you know, law enforcement there, uh, it, it tells me that uh, there's a lot going on that uh, the media doesn't want to talk about. Uh, this person had all sorts of problems, uh, criminal history and various things going on that probably should have been handled in the courts earlier. Maybe even this person shouldn't even been out, uh, you know, with some of the things that I've heard uh, about her past. Right. And uh, so, you know, it's typical of the media not wanting to, to let everything out and let us decide what happened. I mean, she had an extensive criminal record. That we know. That's fact. That's out there. The, 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 the police have reported on that initially. Uh, relatives told reporters that she was able to purchase firearms even after she had been involuntarily hospitalized in 2016 for psychiatric treatment. Now, officials have said that she bought the assault-style rifle in December that she used in the attack. Now, is it possible that her use of aliases, including a male alias while identifying as transgender, allowed her to evade gun protections? I mean, I, I would think with that type of record, somebody would have seen something. Well, you would have thought so. As, as much as the uh, uh, the general public is scrutinized every time you want to go buy a firearm, you would have thought that something would have showed up in uh, her criminal history. I mean, you know... If you're a felon, you can't buy a firearm. You can't own a firearm. Shouldn't have been able to purchase a firearm, convicted felon, or has a big history of criminal history. And again, it goes back to, you know, why is this person even out, uh, you know, if they've got such an, an intensive criminal history uh, that should have been checked? What are they doing out free, roaming around, uh, doing some of the evil things that they're doing and some of the things we've seen going on across the country? So, so, Congressman, uh, let me ask you this question. We're, we're, we're seeing, and you have, like I said, 40 years in law enforcement, and we've seen a lot of trends in the last decade in particular. And, and there's a hostility being fomented by policies, a lot of them coming from this city here in Washington, D.C., by the current administration toward churches. Now, mm -hmm. we, we still don't know all the facts, but we're about to release a report here at the Family Research Council on this growing hostility towards churches. We've seen it double uh, almost in the last year, the number of attacks on churches. Uh, are, are you concerned about that? Yes, I'm very much concerned about it. You know, back in my hometown, you know, uh, law enforcement is still highly respected. But, you know, if you look at the general attitude about uh, just this administration and so many of these uh, liberal blue cities uh, that, that don't care for uh, religious freedom, uh, and they always are out there 
uh, making every negative comment that they can make about the local church and uh, the believers in Jesus Christ like I am. And, uh, you know, it, it tends to, you know, these people with mental illness focus on, uh, you know, these people are evil and we need to do something about it. You know, and I'll tell you something else, too. You know, so many times uh, they want first thing they want to do is take away our our Second Amendment right. But if we would put these criminals in the penitentiary where they belong, they wouldn't be out here uh, wreaking havoc on our society. Well, I'm waiting for, you know, call for more gun control, even though we have laws on the books that should cover this. And I'm with you. I mean, they want to take away our Second Amendment right. But I'm I'm thinking they may not want to touch this one because of the uh, a different type of intersectionality that they don't want to talk about. The fact is that this is a woman who, by her neighbors, said that she identified as a transgender. We know that she is not a U.S. citizen. Now, we don't know if she was here legally or illegally. The the police have not stated that, so we don't know that. You would think that they would go ahead and say that she was here legally if she was. Um, Mm -hmm. So this ties in a lot of issues that the left would rather not talk about. And you sit on the Homeland Security Committee. You have been to the border. You know how porous the border is. And the fact that we have people coming across that border that don't want, just want to shoot up churches, they want to destroy America. Absolutely. And i tell you what, this has been going on now since Joe Biden took office. You know, day one when he took over, you know, he opened that border up. He shut down, you know, Keystone pipelines. He's done so many things that are, that are non-productive for this country. But, you know, by allowing these people to come across this border. And I guarantee you, they're not coming here for the welcome wagon. They're coming here to do harm to Americans. And, you know, this is going to be hung on Joe Biden's head for allowing this to happen. And, you know, I guarantee you they'll be screaming from high heaven when something happens. And it's coming down the road. I've been a policeman too long uh, to ignore uh, these factors with these people coming across across the border. So many of them are here to do ill will to us. And again, they'll go back and blame our Second Amendment rights for all these kinds of things. But you can bet there's some sleeper cells going on right now. But I guarantee you our police will be prepared for them. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Congressman Ezel, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to to see you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in today. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, he's absolutely right. We know that there are sleeper cells. Uh, In fact, I have a piece up on Newsmax. I'm going to be on Newsmax later tonight talking about this. We we know that uh, from 2021 to December of this year, uh, we know that at least about 300 individuals coming across the border that were stopped and detained who were on the on the uh, the terrorist watch list. All right. 300. Now, that's just the ones that that were caught. We don't know how many got across that were not caught? Was it 3,000? Was it 30,000? I mean, when you consider the millions, literally millions have come across the border, it's not a reach to say we have 3,000 terrorists that have come into the country, probably more, probably more. So let's go back to 9-11. 19 terrorists, okay, 19 terrorists hijacked the planes, killed 3,000, about 3,000 Americans. And you know what that's cost us? It cost us two decades of war, hundreds of American lives, and about $8 trillion. 
Yeah, $8 trillion is what we have paid for that. And we're still paying it. In fact, to finance those wars, which Afghanistan is just like it was when we went in 20 years ago, we're paying, we're paid a trillion dollars so far on the financing of that debt. Stick with me. So we have Congress, and I'm going to talk more about this later, wanting to send uh, $61 billion over to Ukraine, send a little bit over to Israel and some to Taiwan, a uh, total of $95 billion. We talked about it earlier this week. How can we afford to do that and not secure our own border? We could not. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we could not afford to respond to another 9-11. We don't have the money. We, we, we are going to be struggling just to pay the interest on the debt that we have, the $34 trillion. It is absolutely, totally irresponsible and reckless to leave our southern border open. This is an existential threat to our country. If you've not yet signed a petition, we're going to be delivering this. Congress is going to be coming back, and it's going to be front and center. It's not going away. And we're going to make sure they hold the line on securing our southern border. All right, this is, this is about people wanting to come into our country. Not all of them, but just enough. It only takes a handful. Text the word border to 67742. That's the word border to 67742. You can also see my, uh, my piece. I think it's at TonyPerkins.com or it's at the Washington Stand or Newsmax, which is published today. All right, don't go away. When we come back, Dr. Jennifer Bowens joins me to talk about whether or not children are being exploited as transgender activists push for their cause. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
it is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. All right, folks, welcome back. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Now, we continue to see ongoing progress and momentum at the state level for protecting children from harmful experimental gender procedures, versions of the SAFE Act, Protect Children. You know, we talked about it. We worked to get the first one passed in Arkansas. We now have seen 23 states in total have passed these, most recently in Ohio, where the governor vetoed it, but it was overridden. And that's happened, uh, I think, about five times. But the left and those pushing the LGBTQ agenda have not retreated. And they won't, okay? I'm just going to tell you that. They're, they're not. They are relentless. Uh, they are going to force um, public affirmation of what they're doing, even when it is damaging to children and even to themselves. And so now we're seeing a very coordinated effort to intimidate and silence policymakers to stir up fear about those who wanted to protect children. Both today, in the Washington Post, in the USA Today, primarily ran major stories doing just that. Joining me now to discuss this, Dr. Jennifer Bowens, the director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council, prior to her work at FRC. Dr. Bowens worked as a clinician and researcher addressing the effects of psychological trauma. As a researcher, she studied the effects of mass traumatic events like 9-11. Dr. Bowens, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. All right. So uh, two stories in two major news outlets and lengthy stories at that, slanted stories, too. Is this a coordinated effort to try to, now that we've seen this successful um, move of the states to protect children, it appears that they're trying to blur the lines and say, oh, everybody that's trying to to protect children wants to, to, to stop everyone from having a right to do what they want to do. Absolutely. I think the the sign of this is that we're making progress, right? Yeah. We are making tremendous progress in protecting kids from terrible procedures that will cause physical and psychological and spiritual damage for the rest of their lives. A- apart from God, you know, bringing healing and intervention, right. but that's that's going to be the result. So to, to see these moves so rapidly and I've been in policy for a while. I mean, in a very short period of time, we have nearly half the states that have adopted these SAFE Acts, which prohibit on minors experimental drugs and surgeries. I mean, that's, that shows that it's a compelling 
compelling position. Yes. Yeah, because when we actually look at the data, we see how poor um, the data is that's been used to support these practices. We can see, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out kids can't make decisions about, you know, what they're going to wear tomorrow to school, <laughs> let right. alone uh, gender identity. Well, you talked about th their brains are not fully developed. That's right. Until they're about, what, 25? Yeah, and that's why we have to work even harder to protect children first um, when it comes to these types of procedures, because they're the most vulnerable. And, and they, they well, I mean, we don't let them drive. Right. We don't let them, you know, get tattoos. We don't let them, you know, buy a gun. But yet we're going to allow them to chop off body parts? Right. It's insanity. And I think what's happening is that the left is getting threatened by the move that we're seeing for children. Well, I think it's this. You know, when you combine this women's sports, you combine the safe acts, that people are saying, wait a minute, this is, this is not right. And, and they're afraid that their whole house of cards could come tumbling down. Yes. And so the latest move is, uh, you know, you want to take this away from adults, too. And at the end of the day, we're all about protecting people, loving people well, promoting practices that are going to bring healing and life and wholeness to, to them and also to communities. So it's actually a very loving position that we're, that we're taking to say this, this isn't the way. Gender dysphoria is a, but a mere symptom of some other issues that are going on. And if you go down this path, it's not going to lead to wholeness or happiness. It may in the short term. We, we can concede that because you got what you, you, know, you think that has been promoted as an answer to you. But it's not going to produce fruit uh, in the long term. We, you can ask Walt Heyer, uh, you know, our own uh, Walt Heyer, who, who's gone through this as an adult. Right. Let's talk about the science of this, the health ramifications, the fact that whether it's children or it's adults, it's still experimental. It's very much experimental. In fact, um, just before coming on here, I was looking at a report from a WPATH, that's a, a transgender activist health organization, and one of the surgeons about a year ago was doing a, like kind of like a grand rounds, and he's doing a presentation, and he says, you know, there's a, these gender clinics popping up all over the place, and um, some aren't trained well. Some of these surgeons aren't trained well, and but no care, or, but some care is better than no care, but right? We and have, we have to get this right, is what he said. Well, <laughs> I mean, in in the. Uh the piece in the Washington Post, and this was, we actually talked about this yesterday with the Attorney General of Missouri, that Planned Parenthood has become a major source, Planned Parenthood, right. a major source for the transgender treatment. Yeah. So what kind of quote-unquote health care is that when you go to a clinic and within a half hour, an hour, you, you get a, a prescription for something that is going to utterly transform your body and brain chemistry. Um, that's that is not how you do health care. <laughs> right. You give proper assessments. You look at underlying conditions, um, but but that's not the way you, you go about uh, health care. Now we're, we're almost out of time. But you have uh, teaming up with some others. You've written a pretty extensive piece on the Safe Acts and this whole issue. Yeah. So what we did is we wrote a piece called Trans uh, Youth Phenomenon, and it's basically asking the hard questions uh, and critiquing the, the research that's out there. And um, it's, it's 
rather thorough, looks at the, the physical, because we, we also have a pediatrician who, who wrote with us, but it looks at the psychological issues that have been um, surrounding the, the transgender ideology, but also um, the social, just this, the whole right. gamut of, of so issues. So people can be better equipped and informed as to what this is really about and, 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 and ask questions and, and push back. We, we just cannot allow this to roll over us and reach our children. Yeah. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Yeah. And if we don't start from a premise of truth, which is what the transgender ideology does, it starts from a false premise. So we must embrace truth. And this um, resource will help you get at what the truth really is. And, and folks, you can get a copy of that. Uh, text SAFE, S-A-F-E, to 67742. That's SAFE to 67742, and you'll get a link. Download it for free. Dr. Jennifer Bowen, it's always great to see you. You too. Thanks for being here. Good to be here with you. All right, folks, we're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. We're going to be talking with Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick about yesterday's statement of a national security threat. We're going to explore that a little further, so don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. All right, to, uh, to get that resource that Dr. Bowens was talking about, just text the word SAFE, S-A-F-E, to 67742, and you'll get a, a, a link, and you can download the PDF of uh, that study. Again, that's SAFE, to 67742. All right, in a, uh, a very cryptic statement yesterday, Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee Michael Turner called on President Biden to declassify information regarding a national security threat without revealing the specific danger. 
Now, media reports indicate that uh, Chairman Turner likely was referring to Russian advancements in developing a space-based nuclear weapon. But many in Congress find the timing of the release curious, coming just days after the Senate passed a uh, $95 billion spending bill, primarily focused on Ukraine, and as the House was considering reforms to the government's spying authorizations, that's FISA, Section 702, which allows warrantless surveillance. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Rich McCormick. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Armed Services Committee, and the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Georgia. He is also a decorated Marine helicopter pilot and an emergency room doctor. Dr. McCormick, welcome back to Washington Watch and Simplify. Good to be with you. So you serve on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. You've spent time in the Middle East. You know about threats to our nation. Your reaction to yesterday's statement from Chairman Turner? You know, one of the things that concerns me, not just what's going on with uh, Russia and space, but just the fact that we in Congress cannot keep a doggone secret. Uh, you had a bunch of people go into a skiff, look at classified information. Within minutes, it was out on the Internet. That, that bothers me more than anything. I'm a military guy. Uh, we don't allow that. We track those things down. But in Congress, there's no accountability. Uh, we know that Russia has a lot of developed programs to do us harm. Uh, there's things that weren't briefed yesterday that worry me, uh, not just to do with outer space, but uh, I know I know things that, that have nothing to do with things we've been briefed at all. But we know that dirty one dirty bomb in a city could disrupt an entire American society. An EMP, which would be also very easy to design, could, design, could uh, actually disable hospitals and businesses and, and disintegrate records that we need to keep track of things. Um, there are plenty of ways to mess with us, with whether it be our water system, our food source. Um, there's a lot of ways to mess with us. I don't think we should be open on how we gather our intelligence or what we actually know. I think that's very, very dangerous to our uh, intel community. And I also think we've got to be careful of the non-technical aspects. I mean, I think Israel learned that after October the 7th. Uh, when Hamas invaded their country using low-tech means, just their feet walking across the border. Um, we've got that problem. You know, I, I'm, right. I'm more concerned about our southern border than I am about Russia potentially putting something up in space, not diminishing the threat there. But we know we have a threat on our southern border. That's a fact. And think about it. Nearly 2 million people got away. Uh, these are people that didn't want to be caught the most nefarious type, the people who have been wearing carpet on their feet, wearing camouflage, having backpacks full of who knows what. It doesn't take much material to get into the United States for low-tech disruption of our cities. And, and that's why I go back to dirty bombs, EMPs, uh, contaminants. It could be a fungus. It could be a bacteria. It could be a new virus. It could be a lot of different things to be dumped out. We know the fentanyl. It doesn't take much fentanyl. They poison an entire city worth of people. We lost over 100,000 people last year. Uh, when I was in the ER position last um, last year, I lost four patients. I'm just one ER doctor. I lost four patients anywhere from 16 to 37 years old. Um, can't do anything about it. I mean, this is a real invasion with real consequences. And, and these people could mean all kinds of harm from all different countries. Uh, we need to do a better job for sure. We we owe the people that. Well, and I, I, I talked about this earlier in the program. I mean, your time in the Marine Corps as a helicopter pilot was the result of our global war on terror. And that came about because of 19 terrorists on 9-11. 19. We know that uh, from 2021 and to the end of last year, 300 
suspects, illegal aliens, who were on the known terrorist list, the terrorist watch list, were detained. Uh, and, and how many more got across? So we know that this is a threat to our country. The thing about it is well over 300, by the way. And those are the people that were dumb enough to get caught. Now, you talk about the smart ones out of that 2 million people, the ones who didn't want to get caught. 2 million got a full. If you just had one per thousand, which I'm sure is higher than that, one per thousand meant ill will towards us. You're talking about thousands upon thousands of criminals with bad intentions. And we already know we have child trafficking. We already know we have rape. We already know we have drug problems. We already know we have crime. We know we have diseases coming across the, the border. We have no accountability whatsoever. But these people are the ones who wanted to get away. They don't want to be accountable. They're not looking for asylum. They're people who go back and forth, transmitting all kinds of bad things to the United States. And, and that is a massive, massive scale problem that the president has not addressed in one iota. So final question for you. 30 seconds left. Congress comes back at the end of the month. We've got just a few days before the current funding for the federal government ends. Will we see a line drawn in the sand and have that fight over the over the border? I think so. The, the speaker has basically promised that. I think there's plenty of us that have made that our line in the sand because America wants it. It's not just a Republican issue. It is a bipartisan issue that we have a safe, secure border. That is our constitutional responsibility to protect the people. And I think we will draw, draw a line in the sand. Congressman Rich McCormick, always great to see you and uh, appreciate you uh, joining us this afternoon. Always a pleasure. God bless you. All right. Congressman Rich McCormick of Georgia serves in the 6th Congressional District. You know, we got some really good men and women that are serving in Congress, and, and they are fighting to do the right thing, many of them. Uh, and that's one of the things that people are amazed when they come up here, because you don't see a lot of this on TV unless you watch this program. Many men and women of deep, abiding faith, followers of Jesus Christ that are here. That's a reason for you to pray. Pray for them. Pray for their strength. Pray for their encouragement. And pray for their victory as they push for the right things. It's important that you pray. Hold up their hands, their arms, like Aaron and Hur did for Moses. Intercede for them. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. 
Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. And I, again, want to encourage you to sign our petition that we're going to deliver to the House leadership to stand firm on the border. I'm telling you, folks, this is uh, this is a big deal. This is not this is not about immigration. Right? It really isn't. It's about national security. And the information I've seen and heard, and what's been made public, this is a threat to our country and our government, our president. They're ignoring it. And in the meantime, running around the, the world, wanting to spend money elsewhere, our southern border is a ticking time bomb. So text the word border to 67742. That's 67742. All right, our word for today, it comes from Exodus chapter 23. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Now, what, what that's saying is, from a spiritual standpoint, we are not to conform to the culture. We're to conquer the world's culture with the weapons of our spiritual warfare, prayer, fasting, and most importantly, the Word of God. So how do we operate in a culture that rejects God's truth? How should the church function in such a culture? Well, the principles we glean from this passage would tell us that we cannot accommodate the culture by acting like it or becoming a part of it. We're to be separate in our ways and our conduct. The spiritual application is quite clear. Our power to overcome the culture is our distinctiveness to the Lord. It doesn't require us to cause anyone else to do something. It calls upon us to be set apart to the Lord. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Well, as we were talking about earlier yesterday in a very cryptic statement, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Michael Turner, called on President Biden to declassify information regarding a national security threat without revealing this specific danger. Now, we, you know, 24 hours later, everything is out there. Media reports indicate that the chairman likely was referring to Russian advancements in developing a space-based nuclear weapon. 
Now, I've spoken to uh, several members of Congress since this threat was hinted at, first actually in a letter to members from Turner. And let me say this from the outset. I did not ask any member of Congress for information that they may have gained from a classified briefing. I've held a security clearance, and, and while many don't seem to care about leaking classified information, it's a crime. As Congressman McCormick was talking about, it's, it's a shame. You know, you're entrusted with that information, you should keep it. So I, I never uh, ask members for classified information. That would be wrong for me to put them in that position. So by piecing public information together with my conversations, the timing of this threat is very suspicious. Why? Well, the release of this comes just days after the Senate passed a $95 billion spending supplemental bill that the bulk of it was for Ukraine, which the House Speaker has said he will not take up. And also yesterday, I was up on the Hill yesterday morning, and this was discussed, the House was scheduled to vote on the controversial reauthorization of FISA's Section 702, which... Uh, has been used by our own government to spy on Americans. It's this warrantless surveillance. Now, Chairman Turner has been a big advocate for reauthorizing this as it is, without any reforms. In fact, uh, he and some of his intel colleagues were ready to take down what's called the rule that would have advanced the reform version of that law. That literally means embarrassing the Republican leadership by killing this bill on the floor of the House. Well, while I don't question the validity of the supposed threat, I do question the timing of its release and the motivation for that to scare the American public and members of Congress into sacrificing fundamental freedoms, which is absolutely wrong. Joining me now to discuss this is FRC Senior Vice President Jody Heiss. He previously served in Congress, which included serving on the Subcommittee on National Security for the House Oversight Committee. Jody, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to be with you, Tony. Very important topic here. Yeah, you've been very outspoken on the need to reform Section 702 of FISA. Is it just me, or did the the timing of this, um, you know, alleged threat from Chairman Turner, a big cheerleader for Section 702's reauthorization, does it look suspect? Yeah, you know, one thing you learn around this city, and I know you've been around here long enough, you've seen it over and over and over, but nothing happens around here without political motives behind it. And for this to just coincidentally come up right at the point where the, the funding for Ukraine and all these things, the FISA reauthorization uh, where those bills are in play, there's no way that anyone can convince me that that's just sheer coincidence. We have known for a long time the threat that Russia poses to our country and the world, uh, and therefore the timing of this when Chairman Turner is trying to push through this reauthorization of FISA is, is certainly no coincidence whatsoever. And to me, quite frankly, it's shameful. Um, I think there there needs to be some action against against this in terms of investigating what's really going on. But this is a direct attack against the Fourth Amendment, and uh, people the, the need FISA. to understand the, the FISA, FISA is a direct attack, uh, warrantless, as you brought up intro in this segment. Uh, this is an attack on the Fourth Amendment and the privacy the American people have and the assurance they have that this government will not spy on them and seize their property. So. Um the government can have these tools, 
but they just have to have restrictions on them. I mean, this is the same. We talked about this in the program yesterday. This was what was used against then-candidate Donald Trump when he was running for president. They spied on members of his his campaign. That's right. It was all a hoax. The And yet they continued using these. And the there was FISA. no oversight. Yeah. And the, there was no oversight whatsoever. And the restrictions to go after a, a private citizen is, number one, there has to be probable cause that we believe, and here's the reasons why we believe this individual has committed a crime. And then with that probable cause, you get a warrant to search. And FISA bypasses all of that. Yeah. You know, this brings up a, a, another question here. Could part of this problem, I mean, most of these are people that are in the United States. Now, even the foreign actors that they're looking at, you know, some of them are overseas, but some of them are here in the States. Could this also be a part of our immigration problem of who we're letting into this country? Absolutely. And that and that's what really a part of what really gets in my crawl over all this. We're, we're talking about we need to reauthorize FISA to keep our country safe. We need to be able to know who's a, who's here for harm. And yet our borders are letting tens of thousands of people in every month. How many, perhaps, of tens of thousands are terrorists but, who are but, now here? But it's not just the border. It's even our legal immigration system that are letting people come into this country that, frankly, shouldn't be here because they they have checkered backgrounds with connections with different entities that would suggest that they may not be wanting to integrate into our, or assimilate into our country and our culture. Absolutely. And that is part of the problem. If we're going to be serious about trying to find these bad, bad actors who have ill intent against the United States, then some of these common sense issues need to be resolved right. from the southern border to how we allow people in this country. And not, uh, Tony, we cannot bypass the fact that one of the serious threats we now have in this country is an out-of-control FBI who is right. now going after American citizens and doing so in an abusive right. manner of our Fourth and, Amendment. And Congress knows this. They know it. And, and the Intel Committee knows it. Now, there, we were talking about this with uh, Warren Davidson yesterday, congressman from Ohio. There are reforms that have been put forward to address this issue. Uh, but you have some competing factions within the ranks of the Republicans. You have uh, Turner and the intel community that do not want any reforms, and they were threatened to take down the rule. You've got the conservative guys wanting the reforms, and if they didn't get it, they were going to take down the rule. So the leadership is really stuck in the middle. They're stuck in the middle. But here's where they need to, <clears throat> in my opinion, they need to land on, and that is our Constitution. Yeah. The Fourth Amendment is not for sale. The Fourth Amendment is not up even for debate. It is, it is is a Fourth Amendment. It's a part of our Bill of Rights. It's an unalienable right. This is not something that we need to even discuss. And, you know, I, I think we need to be very clear that when it comes to our constitutional rights, uh, we are not going to even debate these issues. They are what they are. Well, well, Jody, again, this is we as American citizens and, you know, all of the folks out there, American citizens, whether you, you immigrated to this country or you were born here or whatever, you're an American citizen, you love this country, you, you're American. Why should we have to give up our liberty to protect this country when we have a government that's adopted policies that is jeopardizing that security? That's exactly right. And I, 
Uh, you made the quote uh, earlier today, I heard you say, with Ben Franklin, who basically said that anyone who's willing to sacrifice their, how, how's it go? Their, yeah, he, their, he said their anyone freedoms. who's willing to, to sacrifice fundamental freedoms for the promise of, of security, security deserves, deserves neither. Right. And, and that's where we are right now, and our government continues to push these buttons. And listen, we have to stand for for our constitutional rights. And I believe Chairman Turner has put this out here to create a sense of fear yes. among the American but, public. But that's become the mode, the mode of operation. Absolutely. But it also was intended to create fear among members of Congress. Yes, it was. And for that reason, I think uh, Speaker Johnson was very wise in pulling back, saying we're going to vote on this at another time. I, I think that he should be removed from his post as chairman of that committee. I, w- I would agree with it. This is an abuse of his uh, position as chairman here. I mean, I think it was embarrassing for the speaker and for the Republicans for him to to go out there and do this, trying to leverage I, I, other members. I mean, I, again, I was up on the Hill last night um, talking to several members, and, and, and they see this, too, as a, as a power play. And, and look, not the only ones. In Moscow, Kremlin spokesman. Described the claims about a new Russian military capability as a ruse intended to make the U.S. Congress support aid for Ukraine. Quote, it's obvious that Washington is trying to force Congress to vote on the aid bill by hook or by crook. And by crook. I I think their intelligence is pretty good. Yeah. And listen, ours is, too. And we don't need to take away the rights of the American citizens in order to have uh, quality intelligence in this country? It's just, we've seen it since COVID, but, and and of course, it's not just since then. I mean, human nature is people will, are are easily led when they're scared. And and that includes members of Congress. And to say this is, I think, excuse me, designed to to intimidate. And it, it is absolutely wrong. And as you said, we have to protect these fundamental freedoms. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you another just backdrop to this that I think about when I watch from the 30,000-foot view of what's happening right now is why why this continual push to fund Ukraine. I mean, look, we had Hunter Biden there in his dealings with Burisma. We have very possibly a president that is compromised with Ukraine and I hear people all the time saying all this funding to Ukraine is to hide something from becoming public. Now, I don't know all the, the details yeah. of that, and I, but the suspicion is there. The, the look well, is there. I, 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 I do not disagree with that. When you I've said this many times on this program that anything that Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer would embrace, I have to be suspect of. Yeah, especially a group that has never been you know, pro-national defense and, you know, America being a power on the world stage. And why Ukraine out of all the places in the world? What about Ukraine? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. What about Uh, Afghanistan? What about Afghanistan where they pulled out in such a disastrous way? Right. The funding bill for Israel, which has been over in the Senate now for weeks, they've refused to move on. Right. So, and now we so continue giving billions and billions and billions to Ukraine. Yeah, and why, why? It just it creates suspect. And, well, and then when you add all this other FISA stuff in the mix, it uh, it just smells of a rat. And, and just to, to keep this all in perspective, if this funding is approved, we're looking at in total about one hundred and thirty five billion dollars that will have been shipped over to Ukraine. Now, put that compare that to Israel. And this is, I mean, these are 
round numbers. But in, since 1948, the United States has given to Israel about $160 billion. So just wow. in a handful of years, we're sending more money to Ukraine than it'll be probably be on par with what we've done for Israel in 75 years. And Ukraine being a country we really don't have that much relations with other than whatever well whatever I mean, what, underhanded deals through Hunter well, or whatever. You would think you would think we would have learned our lesson by now. I mean we we talked about this Afghanistan is in the same situation actually it's in when we went in there the same people who we deposed and threw out are back in control, Absolutely, but with billions of dollars of our equipment that we left behind. Yeah, and really we're still paying them because we're paying for all this humanitarian aid, which is going to Hamas, who's leading the country. And so we're, we're funding both sides of the war, uh, even with, with that, that kind of supplemental bill. But I know that's, that's getting off topic of what, where we are with all this FISA stuff, but we, we cannot nor do we need to sacrifice our rights and right. freedoms for the purpose it, of security. Yeah, and, and folks, absolutely essential that we, we, we do protect these freedoms and we don't operate out of fear. You know, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, and we have to operate from that perspective. Jody Heiss, great to see you. Always great to see you, Tony. Thanks for All having right. me. Thanks for being in here today, and thanks for filling in for me on Fridays. Well, folks, thank you for joining us. And I do want to encourage you not to be driven by fear. You know, that is not how we're to operate. We've been given a, a, a sound mind and power to operate and navigate in this world. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord and be standing upon his word and his truth. All right. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words from the Apostle Paul, who says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.